have been told in the word that you first loved us. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this amazing truth that the God who loves us gave himself for us. Even when we were still stanky, or while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for that truth, Lord. That your love is not based on what we do, but on who you are. We don't earn your love. And we don't fall out of it when we fall. We fall into it. Thank you for that truth, Lord. We love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I don't do many foot races anymore. Uh, I was just reminded yesterday, the last one that I was in, um, it was like 17 or 18 years ago during the, the rodeo. And so uh, I was at the rodeo on Friday nights and somebody throws me a t-shirt and I'm like, cool, free t-shirt. They said, well, that means you're in the calf scramble. <laughs> oh, you want it back, you know? <laughs> so so I, I got down in the arena, had to put the shirt on, had to do the calf scramble. And so on Friday night, I, I caught a calf. I'm like, well, that's cool. Well, I got my calf. You know, what, what did I win? Well, you win a chance to come back the next night. <laughs> and so problem was the next night I had a, a, a church fellowship at my house. And uh, then they said, but the prize is $500. I said, I'll be there. And <laughs> so we're at our church fellowship at the house. And uh, I remember very clearly we're all sitting outside, sitting on the front porch. And I said, look, I got to. I got to go do something real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> and I get to the rodeo arena just in time because I'm going to start with this thing. I get to the arena just in time. I walk down the bleachers into the arena and get in line with everybody else. And I had my focus fixed on the ribbon on the tail of this calf. Man, I, I got it. And so they sound the alarm. We all take off running. And, uh, and, and I got that rascal. So... I catch it, I get the ribbon, uh, 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 they take the picture, there I am, $500 bills, all right? And so <laughs> I get my money and uh, get out of the arena, go back to the house where the church fellowship is at. I'm like, look at here, look at here. <laughs> so that's the last foot race I've been in. But you know, we are, as the scriptures tell us, we are in a race. We are called to a race. And now... We often refer to life as a rat race, but can I encourage you that you're not a rat? And so if you get caught up in the rat race, maybe you should excuse yourself from the rat race and ask God, what race would you have me be part of? Amen. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. As you're looking at that, looking for that, um, I need to let you know that it follows... Of all chapters, it follows chapter 11, amazing enough. And so chapter 11 is the, the hall of faith, we call it. And it has a, a line of faith fathers, I guess you could say. Not all fathers, some of them are ladies. And that those who lived before us, who lived out their faith in the Lord, lived as good examples of how we can live out our faith in the Lord. Amen? 
And so here in Hebrews chapter 12, it is reminding us of those in chapter 11. And it says, therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, theologians have struggled over that and, and people struggle over it. Does it mean that my grandma is seeing me from heaven and watching how I live this life? Well, uh, if that gives you concern, maybe not. <laughs> uh, but but we, we don't know exactly if it means that they actually see us or if it's like walking into Cowboy Stadium and there's the names of those greats who have gone before us as a constant reminder of those who ran well. Or, and it could be either one, or that when we get to heaven, there they are standing at the gates welcoming us in. You did good. You ran well. Come on in. So we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. A witness. Someone who has also lived out this race. And maybe it's some say, well, maybe it's just each other. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it's actually referring to chapter 11. How do I know that? Because it's therefore. <laughs> and so when you see a chapter start with therefore, it points to the previous chapter. That's what the therefore is there for. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance that race that is set before us. Amen? You've been called to a race, and God has a, a race planned for your life. And if you get caught up in the rat race, you're in the wrong race. You need, to, you need to answer the call to what he has for your life. And I promise you, he has one. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And, and it's probably bigger than the one you have on your, on your own life. One that you have for yourself. And so, because we've been called to this race, it says, let us lay aside every weight. If we're going to run a race, we don't just carry everything like we're going camping. We, we, we lay off everything, lay aside all of the weights that's going to slow us down, and especially those things that will entangle us, every sin that will ensnare us. Now, I like it that it uses the word snare rather than simply entangle. And, and so entangling, you can get entangled and, and get kind of caught up in something. It'll trip you up. But when you get ensnared by something, it'll choke you out. I need you to know the difference. We use snares in these parts of the, of the world and the country. Sometimes we'll have a, a predator problem. We need to catch something or varmint. And so you can put a snare. How do you use a snare? Well, it'll be a, a little wire device and kind of a, a slip knot kind of a thing in this thing. And, and, and so when you have a, a critter trail and that's where they're coming, you put the snare in its pathway. And when your critter steps into the snare, the harder they pull, the tighter it gets. And it won't let go. The scripture says, hey, we're in a race here and you need to lay aside those things that will choke you out and take you out. And you need to lay aside those things that will weigh you down and slow you down. And so let's look at it in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Well, not, you know what? I need to back up. Uh, let's back up to let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is not a sprint. This is not a sprint. We, ha, it, the distance that you're running will determine how you run it. The distance that you're going will determine how you run this race. And if you plan on hanging in there for a while, we'd be able to be patient. You know, I, I, I said I don't do many races anymore, but 
Uh, every year we do a, a canoe race. Uh, and, and who in here has done that canoe race with us? Yeah, we whooped you so bad. It was just horrible. I just messing with you. I'm just serious. But uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> it's fun, wasn't it, Cody? So when we take off on this race, well, all these canoes are lined up, it's 22 miles. And because it's 22 miles, uh, when we took off this last one, Caleb and I were, were there at the starting line, and they said go, and they blow the horn, and people take off. Caleb's like, should we go? I'm just taking time, son. It's 22 miles. It's 22 miles. By, uh, by the time we finished the race, not bragging, but uh, second place came like nearly an hour after we finished ours. So we had time for a burger and a drink, and you know, here comes second place. <laughs> Why? Well, the distance that you plan on running will determine how you run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, who sets the race before us? Well, just like Paul told his young minister student, Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. Not a race, the race. The race that was set before him. And we know what it was. Paul, when, he, when we had this salvation experience, uh, as he was named Saul, and he was going to go persecute Christians, and, and God shined a blinding light down on him, and he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm the Lord Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard to kick against the goats. Quit fighting me, boy. I'm calling you to a different race. Amen? Amen. Oh, he was running good. Just in the wrong race. It's like being at the bowling alley and man, you got a strike, but it was in your neighbor's lane. <laughs> you know, they don't do you good. Or you're at the shooting range and man, you hit the bullseye, but you were on the wrong target. He, he was running a good race, just the wrong one. And, and, and he said, I have, at the end of his life, he told young Timothy, I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Yeah. Amen. And so, looking again at verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that's, that's the race. Amen? That's the one we're called to. That is the goal that we're running to and who we're running for. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the beginning of, beginner of it, and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. And by the way, he's also a, a witness and a testimony of how we can run it. Look at what he says. Who for the joy that was set before him endured. Endured the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's not just a fact. That is a fact that changes my race. The fact that Jesus has already done this. He's run his. He won his. And now he is interceding on my behalf at the right hand of the Father. And he is the Christ who lives within me. Helps me to endure this race. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so now I'm not just running for him. I'm also running to him. And I'm running with him. Yeah. That's good news. And so I want to look at an Old Testament illustration of someone who... He represented both races. The, the book of uh, 1 Kings, we're going to look at the last verse of chapter 18 and verse, first verse of chapter 19. Elijah was the prophet of all prophets. When we think of one man who represents prophets, we think of Elijah. In chapter 18, Elijah had his greatest victory, and we call it the showdown at Mount Carmel. 
He is there coming against the false prophets and the false priests and, and the false worshipers in the, the nation of Israel. Uh, there's a king in place at the time. His name is, is Ahab. And he's, has, he's got a wife named Jezebel, that huzzy. And uh, I asked in the first service if it's okay to say huzzy from the pulpit. Nobody said it wasn't, so I'm... <laughs> Jezebel was a huzzy. <laughs> and so... Not only a husband, she was a flusy. So <laughs> we have Jezebel, and, and she, uh, she is evil to the core. And she's got 400 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Asherah, and they are there coming against the true God. And, and Elijah says, well, I've come against your false prophets. And there they have the showdown on Mount Carmel. I've stood on top of this mountain. And he says, all right, you go ahead and make your sacrifice. Let's see uh, what your God can do. Well, guess what their God could do? Nothing. They cut up their sacrifice, put it upon the altar, and they prayed, and they cut themselves. That's what uh, the demons will incite you to do, and harmed themselves, and bled all over the altar, and, and screamed louder. And then Elijah thought, well, let's just have a little fun with this. Scream louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. I mean, he was messing with them. Scream louder, maybe he's resting. And, 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 and so, you know, you might as well take and have a little fun with it. And so their God, which is no God, could do nothing. And then Elijah said, let me show you what my God can do. And he said, go get a bunch of water. And they poured water upon water upon water upon the altar, so much so that it filled the ditch around the altar. And everything saturated and soaking. And, and he just called out to God. And God, the God who answered with fire, consumed the, uh, the sacrifice on the altar, the altar, the water that was soaking the altar, and all the water in the ditch. This is one of the things that you can do when God's in control. And then he executed all of these prophets. That's a bunch. 850 prophets. Executed them. And now I want you to look in the last verse. 46, last verse of chapter 18. Then the hand of the Lord came upon him. I'm pretty sure it was on him earlier too. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Well, it's not that he just beat Ahab. You need to know something. Ahab is in a chariot. And Jezreel is a long ways away. And empowered by his God, he outran a chariot after the big day he already had. That's what you can do when, when you're running God's race. Amen. When God has empowered you, because if he called you to it, he'll help you through it. Amen. And he has empowered you. You can do things that you can never do on your own. But the next chapter, chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel, that huzzy. All that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Jezebel says, Ahab, I mean, says to Elijah, Elijah, you got 24 hours. I'm going to kill you. Now, it should not bother him. He knows what his God can do. He just did it the day before. But I want to tell you something. When we go through uh, physical, emotional, spiritual exertion, sometimes we are prone to then begin operating in the flesh. 
And on this day, chapter 19, Elijah begins operating in the flesh. So I have, uh, uh, I have week to week, it's different. But oftentimes I have on Mondays, and sometimes they don't even wait till Mondays. I call it the Elijah syndrome. Uh, depends on how much comes out of me during a sermon. There are days when I have what I call a holy hangover. And that you would think, man, there are, you ought to be on cloud nine today. Like last Sunday, we had 21 salvations last Sunday. We had 10 people say, oh, get baptized. Amen. You know what? Monday rolls around and I'm just like, ugh, I need to go fishing. So I'm fishing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like this. We know that it's a part of it. When you, when you are pouring yourself out, you better have the Lord pouring himself in. Because if not, you're prone to operate in your flesh. Amen. Look what happens. Verse 2, verse 3, and when he saw that, when Elijah saw that Jezebel was about to come kill him, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. He's running again. Now, he ran the day before, and he ran so, I mean, he had an amazing day. And then at the end of this day, he outruns a chariot. And now he's running again. But this day, he's not running in faith. He's running in fear. And when you're operating out of your feelings, you're operating in the flesh and not in the spirit. And so he runs for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. He's in a whole other country now. But he turned, that he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. To sit under a broom tree, you got to be pretty low. And he was pretty low. And he prayed that he might die. Anybody ever struggle with depression? Don't raise your hand. If you do, you probably wouldn't raise your hand anyway. Elijah, the greatest prophet of all, prayed that God just kill him. Now I'm going to tell you something. He really didn't want to die. If he really wanted to die, he'd have stayed right where he is at and Jezebel would have taken care of that for him. But he just didn't want to live the way he was living that day. And so he said, Lord, take my life. Verse, verse 4, and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Another way that you know that you're operating in your flesh and not in the spirit is that you start comparing yourself to others. I am no better, is what he said. I am no better than my father. When you begin comparing yourself to others, remember, when we're running a race, don't be looking around to who's running beside you. How they run is not does not determine how well you're running. You keep your eyes fixed and focused on Jesus. What race has he called you to run? It's going to be different than everybody else's race. But if you're trying to live their race, you're going to be just like Elijah. Lord, I'm no better. That's right, you're not. That's right. Because you're in the rat race, and that's not the race you were called to. You are called to a higher race. You were called to something greater, to achieve something higher. Here's the thing. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you are burdened down, well, guess what? You're carrying something Jesus did not intend on you to carry. And he, he, he commands us, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened down, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen? 
Now, I'm telling you, I've been uh, in ministry now for 20-something years. And there are times where this ain't easy, and it ain't light. But what's going on when it's not? I'm carrying a burden I wasn't meant to carry. Now, I remember, I can't do the math just right quick, but when I answered the call of God on my life, I remember being in that small little church in Brownsboro. It's not very small anymore. It's known as Rock Hill. And I was in that small little church, and at the invitation time, I didn't even talk it over with my wife. I've been fighting and struggling. I've been, I've been living life that, man, I just thought this would give me fulfillment. This would give me satisfaction. And, and, and I would have a job for about six months. I'd be sick of that and quit it. I, this and that and the other. And nothing was bringing fulfillment or satisfaction to me. And I was just eat up on the inside. I was a miserable husband. I'd come home from work every day just miserable. Our marriage was a mess because of who I, I was and what I was doing. And then that day at the invitation... The call was very clear. So I walked down the aisle and I, I told him, I said, I think I'm called to be a missionary. Now, I said that because I didn't know what else to say. And that day, as I walked down the aisle and surrendered the ministry, the youth pastor at that time comes to me and says, uh, you're doing the youth uh, Bible study Wednesday night. Like, I ain't even, we're not even an hour into this thing. <laughs> and I ain't even real sure about them teenagers. Well, I, I, I did the Bible study that Wednesday. You may have been there, Cody. And uh, I was a little nervous. And at the end of the Bible study, all of a sudden, all these teenagers start crowding around me. And I fell in love. I said, I, I don't want to do anything else ever in my life. I'm going to be a youth pastor my whole life. And so uh, I started down that journey. Well, I thought God called me to be a missionary. Now here I am, a youth pastor. But then he changes your desires as he changes your direction. And, and pretty soon I was involved in missions, different than what I expected. But I was taking people all over the world on short-term mission trips. And, and then he changed my desires as he changed my direction. And then he called me to, to do this and he called me to do that. Here's what the first call was. It wasn't to be this. It wasn't a call to be this. It was a call to do this. Follow him wherever he goes. Amen. Amen. It's a, that's the call that I will follow you, Lord, wherever you lead. And, and, and whatever that is today, and it may be different tomorrow, but wherever you lead me, that's where I'm going to go, Lord. Whatever you call me to, that's what I'm going to do. And so I, it, it may be different uh, tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure. So here's, man, I'm just going to tell my whole story. How about <laughs> just a few years ago, I wanted to be anywhere but Sand Springs. I just was unsettled. I just want to be anywhere over here. I just felt like, man, God, I'm not able to see you do what I dreamed that you would do. And it's not happening. And I, I wouldn't send it out resumes, but I was just like praying to God, God, you need to do something here. I've been trying to be faithful. And you, you know what? He, he did. He did something. He wouldn't let me go. I remember that day when he made it very clear, I've got you right where I want you, and we're just setting this thing up. Amen. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. At that, those few years ago, I wanted to be anywhere but here. And now, I don't want to be anywhere but here. Amen. 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 The thing is, here's the interesting part. 
I had a vision, a dream of what I wanted God to be doing right here in our town. But here's what's cool. His vision was bigger than mine. I told you I hadn't run many foot races lately. It's been 17 or 18 years. But I'm running better than I've ever run. And I don't mean foot race. I mean this Christian race. I'm running better than I ever run. Does that mean that, that my life looks cleaner and neater and more perfect? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I got a bigger vision now. I allowed God to expand the vision. I, I had a vision for our church. He had a vision for our community. Do you hear me? I had, I had a vision for this, this town, maybe. He had a vision for this area, this region. And he's like, until you can see as I see, you won't be running the race that I've called you to run. And it was when he was able, I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine. Well, it's the same thing for you. If you're running the race that you designed in your own mind, God's got a better, better one and a bigger one. Amen. He tells us in the scripture, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. And I can ask pretty big. And I can think big. And he's like, I can beat it. I can beat that. Lord, I'm going to ask you that you just do something awesome in this church. He said, how about I do something awesome in the city? Tonight we're going to have love thy neighbor here at 6 o'clock. You be here. It's, it's grown over the last month with churches that I would have never thought would have been a part of it. Why? Because God's doing something in this city, in this community, in this county, in this region. He's doing something. And, and you know what? You've got a race to run in this thing. But if you're running all these other races, if you're running everybody else's races, whatever that you had expectations, maybe mom and dad put on you, or, or, or maybe you've, you've seen somebody else's Christian life and you just try to pattern that, you've got your own race to run. And it's bigger than what you dream it is. And I'm going to promise you, it's going to be better than anything you can work up on your own. You'll be more satisfied. Remember when I said I'd keep a job about six months? I'm sick of this garbage. Man, I'm through here. When I, when I fell into alignment with God, I'm like, Lord, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Why? Didn't the, all those things of the world that were supposed to fulfill you, didn't they fulfill you? Not maybe for a second. But they all come up short. But when I fell into alignment with what God was doing in my life, I didn't want to do anything else. Because running his race is the most fulfilling, satisfying, enjoying thing that you can possibly do. I'm not sure where I went with this sermon, but if you would turn with me to Hebrews again, chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to wrap it up with this. I mentioned that chapter 11 talks about some of the fathers of the faith, those who ran well before us. One of them's name was Abraham. And Abraham had an impossible vision, an impossible race laid before him. God comes to him and says, Abraham, I'm going to make a nation out of you. Abraham said, well, that's going to be a problem. My wife can't have babies. God said, but I can do anything. And Abraham had the gall to believe God. And the scriptures tell us that his belief, God counted it as righteousness. That, that his belief was his salvation. And so here we are in chapter 6, verse 11. Abraham is the, the one that we're talking about here. And we desire that each one of you 
show the same diligence to the full assurance. What is this full assurance? Faith. God, I believe you're going to do it. Whatever you've told me you're going to, I believe you're going to do it. To the full assurance of hope until the end. To the end. It's not a sprint. It's a long race. You say, well, I've failed. I've blown it. I've fallen. And, and I just, I think God's probably done with me. No. Just because you've fallen doesn't mean that you've lost your calling. He, he's got a great plan. You know what his plan is? It's great. His mercy is new every morning. Amen. Amen. And so he says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish. Amen. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Everybody say faith and patience. That's the key. That's the key. God, I've got faith and I've been having faith for two days now. You ain't done it. Faith and what? Patience. Patience. Hang in there. He'll come through. If he called you to it, if he, if he gave you that vision, I guarantee you he'll fulfill it. Verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. The Lord dropped by and paid a visit to Abraham. Says, this is what I'm going to do, Abe. And I'm going to make a nation out of you. And he says, I, my wife can't have kids. God says, you know I can do anything, right? And Sarah's over there, the wife. She's laughing. It's like, oh, I can't have babies. And the angels of the Lord said, why is she laughing? She said, I didn't laugh. <laughs> said, oh, yes, you did. <laughs> it's kind of funny. The Bible's funny to me. Uh, and so a year later, they come back, and guess what? She's pregnant. 90 years old. That's amazing. Well, God sure enough did it. He made a nation out of Abraham. It's called Israel. And it's a nation that nobody can defeat. Even to this day. And if God calls you to run this race, nobody can defeat you. The man or woman of God within the will of God is immortal until God is done with them. Amen. Nobody can stop you. So run the race that God has called you to run and don't give up. You may be asking the question, how do I know that what I'm running is his race? Maybe you've got your own desires you've built up and you're like, I'm not sure if it's me or God. Let me ask you first, is it bringing you closer to God? If the answer is no, then drop it. If, if it's not bring, and let me just tell y'all something. I'm the king of rationalization. I know that we can, Lord, I really need that horse trailer. I mean, I will use it for kingdom things. And uh, <laughs> Lord, let me tell y'all, I convinced myself that he, it was his will that I had that horse trailer. I was stuck with that stupid thing for five years. Couldn't sell it. I, well, the first time I drove it down the road, you remember it, Carrie. I'm driving down the road in my truck and that horse trailer. And then I, the first visit, uh, first little camping trip, and a cold sweat came over me. I'm pulling $100,000 down the highway between my truck and my horse trailer. My wife says, I'm, I'm done. I can rationalize. You can rationalize. God, I know you want me to have this. God, I know you want me to do this. If it is not drawing you closer to the Lord, it's not the race he has for you. Amen. Number two, if it's not drawing others closer to the Lord, it's not the race that he has for you. It's not. And so it may be that today you begin to reconsider the race that you're running. And say, Lord, I, I want to run what you've called me to.
I've, been, I've not been called to a rat race. And it, it's not that you do less, it's just that you do what's best. I need you to catch that. Well, I'm, I'm supposed to just quit all these other things. No, that might be the case, but the thing is, you're not going to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs saying, okay, God, what would you... I'm going to tell you, you get usable, He'll wear you out. And I mean, it's awesome. And you'll do way more doing what He's called you to than you could ever do on your own. Elijah, one day, running in his flesh, gets down underneath the broom tree, said, God, I just want to die right here. I just want to die right here. I, I, I'm no better than anybody else. Just kill me here. God said, Elijah, here's what I'm going to do. You eat this bread and drink this water and you come down here and see me. Now, God could have visited Elijah right there underneath that broom tree. In fact, he spoke to him. But you know what? He has this angel show up. He said, eat this loaf of bread. And on that loaf of bread, this brother takes a night's rest and gets up and runs 40 days. I want that bread. <laughs> I want that bread. Y'all do know who the bread represents, don't you? Jesus is the bread from heaven. You can run more and do greater things and go farther in the power of Jesus Christ than you ever can in your own flesh. Do greater things. Have a greater vision. I, I want you to give yourself permission to dream big. Big. God-sized. Because if it's something that you could accomplish in your flesh, it's probably not what he's called you to. But to do greater things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you that you are the God who does through us what we can never do ourselves. And Father, I pray that we would be running your race, not the rat race. I pray that we would run well. We'd not get distracted or dis discouraged. Lord, but that we would just continue to look to you, the one who started us on this journey, and the one who will welcome us home when we finish it. Lord, I pray that as we run this race, we'll run it together for the glory of God our Father. And we'll see our families transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. We'll see our community transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. We'll see this region absolutely transformed as we each run our race. But it's under the leadership of God. We love you, Lord. We want to live for you, Lord. And we are thankful for this journey. It's fun. It's fun. But it's all for your glory, King Jesus. It's in that great name we pray. Amen. Stand with me, please. We have our altar team at the front, and the altar is open. You can come and do business with the Lord. It may be that you need to come lose some weight right here at the altar. Those weights that you've been carrying around, burdens that you've been bearing, just drop it down here at the feet of Jesus and leave it. Don't pick it back up. It may be that there's some, some snares that are tripping you up and you need, you've been trying, 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 and you need to start trusting, trusting, trusting that he is the one who cleanses us from our sins. Confess our sins to one another and our God will cleanse us from unrighteousness. Amen.
whatever it is the Lord's leading you to do. Maybe you just, you're kind of, you're kind of adrift without a rudder. You ask the Lord for some direction. He wants you running his race more than you do. He'll give you that direction. You move as God moves on you as we worship.